thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show, we are joined by Marty Kendall. Marty is an engineer whose interest in nutrition was spawned out of necessity, trying to manage his wife's type 1 diabetes and his own family history. Marty is a blogger at OptimizingNutrition.com and he joins us today to teach us all how to optimize our nutrition. Hi, Marty, and thanks for joining the show. Hey, Steph, really great opportunity to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really excited for you to join us. So let's, awesome. yeah, let's set the scene. Just give us a brief um, elevator pitch or a little bit of a background story about you um, yep. and then we'll dive into optimizingnutrition.com. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, by day I'm an engineer, um, civil engineer, working roads and whatever, but i um, married to Monica. He's a type 1 diabetic and I suppose over the last 15 years it's been a a journey of learning how to better optimize nutrition to to better manage type 1 diabetes. So, yeah, a couple of years ago, I came across the insulin index and insulin load and really found that to be really helpful to better calculate insulin dosage, which is really critical to low carb and keto and everything. But at the same time, I thought, how do we also try to maximize nutrient density? Because just a, a diet of... Um, MCT oil and butter, which has the lowest yeah. insulin load, also doesn't have a lot of micronutrients. So it's sort of a optimizing is about finding that balance point between those two extremes. Yeah, I love that. And that's a really good point mm. because obviously um, the criticism for the very strict uh, keto approach is definitely its absence of vegetables and the nutrients mm. that mm. are so important. So yeah, that's that awesome. Fine. Finding that balance point for each individual, whether looking for a, a therapeutic keto approach or diabetes or going on to be a, an athlete like yourself or a bodybuilder or whatever you're trying to do, weight loss, you can tailor those parameters to suit your particular situation. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, all about optimizing nutrition. So um, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your you know, website, optimizingnutrition.com and what your goals are there. Um, and then we'll talk more about your most recent project. Yeah, uh, well, a couple of years ago, I just, uh, as I said, I came across the Insulin Index, and which is work out of the University of Sydney. Um, they previously did work on the Glycemic Index, which looks at the amount of your blood sugar rise in, in, in response to a particular food. But then they also looked at the Insulin Index, which is the area under the curve response of your insulin. So they actually measured insulin every half an hour and calculated that for like about 130 different foods. And I downloaded that data and had a bit of a play and found that our insulin response is not related to just the carbohydrate we eat, mm. but also the fiber and the protein and the fructose and a bunch of other different parameters that you can actually quantify. And then particularly for someone like my wife who's type 1 diabetic, you can then accurately calculate the insulin requirement, which is really good for better calculating, you know, 
optimizing your food choices and insulin dosing. But um, yeah, I, so I thought this is really interesting. I started to share and, uh, you know, shared it with Jason Fong and then Ivor Cummings and he shared it. And so I thought I should start a blog here to, to, get, to get it out here. And it's just snowballed from there. And like I spent a bit of time on Facebook with the group that I started. And there's so many questions and confusion out there about, you know, what, what's optimal, what's ideal, and there's so much disagreement and argument. And it's like, well, how, as an engineer, can I use my quantitative analysis abilities to to give clarity to those arguments that are often, there's no one they go round and round, it just comes down to belief. But if you can say, well, here's the USDA food database and here's some key parameters that we can agree that are critical, how can we use that to define the right foods for a different person with different goals? Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you say that so um, almost like calmly and it's obviously <laughs> you, you, what you live and breathe, but that, yeah. is, that insulin side of things for diabetics is so important. As I'm, sh- oh, as I'm sure you know, um, mm. they have in general been taught to eat a lot of carbohydrates and control their body with pharmaceuticals mm. and, and the education is so far from... Um, you know, correct, and it does mm. cause a lot of complications in it's in the long term. So tragically bad advice. Yeah, yeah. So teaching those individuals about the 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 influence that food has on their body, and therefore mm-hmm. how they can minimise their their need for pharmaceuticals, I think is is so powerful. Definitely. Yeah, it's a really really exciting part of it, and yeah, something that we love to encourage. Doctor Bernstein talks about mm. the. The law of small numbers is type 1 diabetic. He just turned 83 and has had diabetes, type 1 diabetes since 10. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the law of small numbers, that it's really impossible to eat a whole lot of crappy processed carbs and then jam in a whole lot of pharmaceutical insulin and get that balance perfect to get perfectly flat-lined blood sugars. But I think we can take that learning that works really well with type 1 diabetics and say, well, how can we put use that for type 2 diabetics? And we're all, we're all somewhere on that spectrum between raging out of control diabetic and mm. optimal health. So if, I think if we manage the insulin load to, to wind that back to the point we achieve optimal blood sugars that look like someone who's really metabolically healthy and really fit. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's obviously that insulin load is, you know, obviously the key for for type 1 diabetics, but it's something mm. that, you know, we all should be really aware of whether mm. you're doing keto, whether your goal is to be a fat adapted mm. athlete or whatever mm. that might look like. Just to backtrack one moment, um, yeah, sure. can you just clarify for us, for the benefit of our listeners, how it differs from that glycemic index, the GI? Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's, it's a really important point. Mm. Um, the glycemic index is just, uh, let's say potato and white bread and mm. glucose raises your blood sugar 100% and then everything is compared to that. So your cornflakes may raise it by 70 and your fructose may not, maybe about 20, maybe have a glycemic index of 25. So it's that total glucose excursion compared to the glucose. But the insulin index is similar but they actually measure the insulin response which is completely different because mm. um, uh, you're you're you may be able to maintain a, a a reasonably looking good blood sugar but you may be moderately insulin resistant mm. and your pancreas is pumping out all this 
insulin just trying its darndest to keep up. And it may look good on the outside, it may look okay if you test your blood sugars, but on the inside, you're probably becoming insulin resistant just because your body's having to keep up with an excess amount of processed carbohydrates. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think also, obviously, with the GI index, and it's one of the main reasons why I despise it, is it's obviously look, <laughs> looking at a carbohydrate on its own, right? Definitely, so definitely. tell me the last time that anyone sat down and ate white rice by itself. like, And, totally, and that's totally. where it, it, you know, it can create this fallacy of, of health or, or unhealthy yeah. foods. Um, yeah, but the, the insulin index actually looks at your insulin production of your pancreas, which mm. is, I think, what we need to focus on rather than just the external blood sugar response. Yeah, I completely agree. And then we see the mm. contrast of different macronutrients. So obviously GI mm. just looks at carbohydrates, yeah. whereas what I find really fascinating about the insulin index, and this is um, mm. a, a lot of what sort of Jason Fung talks about, is mm. that really quite surprising foods that maybe we wouldn't encourage yeah. in a real food template actually have quite a low insulin index. Yeah. A really common example is all brand like I wouldn't tell yeah. anyone to eat that food but it shows you how some carbohydrates can actually have quite a low insulin index um, when they would otherwise have you know a higher GI yeah when I looked at that I, I sort of had that same observation mm. that uh, that really high fiber foods have very minimal blood sugar uh, mm. sorry insulin response mm. and similarly really high pro high protein foods have a, a reasonably high insulin response as well so you have to take those things into account and then you can more accurately predict your insulin response than just looking at simple carbohydrate yeah absolutely and and foods that we think um you know like the the milks and the yogurt example i think in a conventional sad mm. template like a standard australian template you know these are the foods that we we think are healthy and um, you know, a lot of people still feel like they are a nutrient-dense option, but when you look mm. at the insulin index of those foods, they're off mm. the charts, and then you understand why, you know, you're hungry all day and you're storing yeah. fat and so on and so forth. Especially when they're full of sugar mm. and you know, low-fat milk and whatever. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, fascinating. So I'll put a link up to um, your blog post on mm. the insulin index. I think that's yeah. something that, um, you know, our audience would love to explore yeah. more. Um, so thanks for clarifying that. But what we're going to move on to next is to um, share more about your most recent project, which is yeah. available at nutrientoptimizer.com. So yep. tell us tell us your elevator pitch for <laughs> the Nutrient Optimizer. Yeah, uh, so basically we talk a lot about low-carb, high-carb, whatever, and, and mm. nutritious food, but nobody's really got a definition of what nutrient density means and uh, you had um joel Furman on a while ago and it was a really interesting podcast with him and he's looked a lot into nutrient density uh, -huh. uh and then matt lalon more recently has done that but i think what's really fascinating is to look at how the food you eat actually provides the various like there's 40 different micronutrients that you need to hit mm -hmm. between vitamins minerals fatty acids and amino acids but it, there's no use in emphasizing all of those you just want to say well which ones am i not currently getting mm. and which foods contain more of those while also allowing me to, to maintain really good blood sugar so this is basically a personalized approach that looks at your food log and says which foods are working for you and which foods could you perhaps think of adding to your repertoire to improve your diet? Yeah, so it's 
just to give give it that context, so it's mm. obviously a a program that is, you know, can be related to something like My Fitness Pal, but it yeah. has so many more benefits in terms of not just looking at macronutrients, so carbs, fats, and proteins, yeah. or yep. not looking at calories per se, but looking at the nutrient density, so that micronutrient fingerprint, as you say, of of what yeah. you're putting in your body. Definitely, definitely, mm. like. My Fitness Pal's got like 167 million mm-hmm. people just tracking their calories and macronutrients, which I think is of minimal value. Um, mm. At the moment, we're using Chronometer, which is similar to My Fitness Pal, but it'll actually give you the micronutrients as well. So I can take the output of that, run it through a spreadsheet, and then basically tell you back which foods uh, are working well for you, which nutrients you're not getting a lot of, and which foods you need to add in. Be it, depending on when you're, whether you're an athlete or a diabetic or someone who needs therapeutic ketogenic diet or a bodybuilder. So. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's really important because, you know, I, I feel I'm potentially guilty of this. We've moved away from the calories in, calories out um, message, right, But which, mm. is a good, which is a good thing, but we actually can't ignore food quality. So calories Definitely. still matter. And yeah. I think that's really important to, for people to understand because, you know, no, we're not telling you to eat less and move more or count your calories, but mm. the nutrient density is that number one priority. Um, and obviously food quality is going to look after your long-term health, which is the bigger picture rather than just, you know, it being like a fat loss goal or something like that in the short term. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's hard to go wrong if you're focusing on, nutrient-dense whole foods that provide those harder-to-find nutrients. And, and then the, the calories and the macronutrients typically look after themselves. It's really hard to overeat these whole unprocessed nutrient-dense foods. Um, and then the macros aren't going to be super extreme in any particular direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to put myself in the in the deep end, <laughs> <laughs> I um, used the, your nutrient optimizer for yeah, three days. For that. No worries. Um, that that's going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I, as I said to you before we started recording, I'm a little bit embarrassed that my nutrient uh, nutrition wasn't better on those three days. But no, no, no. It's all it's all for the point of the conversation and um, just to share sort of how the system works. So. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll hand it over to you to sort of run through um, what you found. Yeah, um, thanks for doing that. And I suppose there's a caveat, uh, there's a balance between nutrient density for someone who's trying to lose weight. Uh, so if someone who try, is trying to lose weight, they want to get all the nutrients that they need with the minimum amount of calories. Mm. But for someone who's very active and a, and a triathlete, if I say, well, the most nutrient-dense foods are watercress and broccoli and spinach. You should just eat those. Mm. And you go, but I'm about to do an Ironman triathlon. Mm -hmm. I can never get enough energy to Mm -hmm. do that. So there's a balance, especially for someone like you who's an endurance athlete, to find that right. Um, I suppose energy density is another input into there that you can bring in. But, yeah, when I did, uh, I I crunched the numbers. Mm. Um, A lot of people are often deficient in vitamin D. Mm, That was interesting. Pops up as number one, and those recommended daily intakes are based around uh, people not getting a lot of sun. So if you get sun, then you're generally going to be better, but a lot of people end up needing to supplement vitamin Mm. D. And then interesting um, that the other things that you weren't getting a lot of was thiamine, iron, phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, calcium, 
manganese. Leucine was interesting. A lot yeah. of, most, most low carbs get plenty of protein, but um, yeah, leucine, niacin, copper, panto acid, zinc, uh, B6. So It sounds then, worse than it is, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 when you look at the, uh, the, the list of foods you're eating, they're, they're fine, but mm. at, at, at the same time, there is opportunity for improvement. Mm. So you then run it through the, the, the system and I've produced a list of hay if you wanted to max out your nutrient density, here's a list that will give you the most of those nutrients that you're not getting per calorie. And there's another list there for uh, uh, for an energy-dense approach that if you're about to get on your bike and do some really hard training, you might need some more energy-dense nuts and, mm. and, and, and dairy potentially and, and things that have got more energy in them. And then generally I think you follow a low-carb and from what I gathered, you're not doing a lot of the um, – massive endurance training at the moment so just that general low carb that'll keep you away from um highly insulinogenic foods is a really good place to be uh yeah i think i suppose the the balance point in the low carb though is if you go too far into um you know butter and and refined fats can do no wrong a lot of people i think for some people uh, going low carb will re- reduce their their insulin levels and their fat stores will flow out and they'll all of a sudden lose their appetite and lose weight really well and really quickly. But sometimes that comes to an end and they need to start to focus on more nutrient-dense foods that provide them with those nutri- nutrients and may help them avoid those cravings and uh, yeah. maybe get more, more nutrients per calorie um, that allow the, f- the, the the fat stores in their body to be used for energy. So yeah, it, it's complex and not just you know I'm starting here. I've done really well with low carb or keto. It's like okay, I've I've normalised my blood sugars, but I still want to lose some more weight and I've stalled. Where do I go next? And this is sort of an approach that's automated that'll help guide you through those different steps and stages. Yeah, look, and I think it is just that highlight. Um, I wanted to sort of go back to what you said at the start because. Um, I know you've got a bit of a leaderboard um, <laughs> on your side as to who's sort of achieving, um, I guess, as close to 100%. Um, but and my personal experience is, firstly, I've been um, doing a lot more intermittent fasting. So mm. I've been eating a lot less. So the hey, challenge yeah. for me is to, to, while my calories are lower um, mm. and I'm eating less, to still obviously make sure I am making the best choices which is a fine line absolutely because I've pulled out like a breakfast where I would have normally had eggs and more vegetables and things like that so for me that's pretty clear why my leucine is low when my protein is like 68 grams a day where I probably normally sit at like 85 or more Um, so that's quite fascinating because I I, know I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting but um, it obviously can't happen at the expense of nutrient density yeah, I, I've I've been through the same thing, and mm. I really love Jason Fung's work, and I've done like seven day fasts, and I did mm. a series of five day fasts. But at the end of those, it's it's really hard to not go. Well, I haven't eaten for five days, and I'm really hungry. I'm just going to go for the really yummy butter and the peanut butter, and just sit here till I don't feel hungry anymore. Mm. And all, all of a sudden, you go, well, I haven't lost weight here. <laughs> What's going wrong? And I realised that after those fasts, I need to. Um, Raymond Edward, Edwards, a friend of mine, says fast well, feed well, and I think you've got to make sure you've got to see that refeed period 
as a time where you're giving your body the nutrients that you didn't get over the last five days so you can go another five days or whatever without um without having nutrient cravings that i think in the longer term potentially your, your body will be going well i'm not getting enough magnesium or phosphorus or leucine or whatever that that's really critical for you and you may end up rebound binging potentially so yeah it's an interesting topic but i think um feeding well at the end of your fast is really important yeah yeah absolutely and i probably go on oh especially if you're trying to lose body fat um refeeding on uh, refined fats there's a balance point there that that you have to find for you that you're not spiking your insulin too much Um, Mm. yeah so that's why it's optimizing there's no one size fits all yeah yeah definitely and, um, yeah, what I was going to say is that it is just that awareness to small changes, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that f- for me personally, like I, I think maybe one of the limitations you might be able to cover, just to, to clarify for people that are mm. going to be logging their own food, is yep. um, what, you know, what you do in the case where you've, you're having like, let's say it's some some paleo bread that you've made or a pumpkin yep. soup that you've made and you might yep. then go in and it's the same with my fitness pal but you pick something yeah. quite generic what what are your thoughts on the effect of that on your results uh yeah it's interesting the the chronometer uses the usda food food database and a few other databases that have got all the micronutrients logged so that helps you make sure you're not uh you're getting the micronutrients right, but a lot of the time the the Mind Fitness Pal, you've got so many users that are entering their own data and they're just entering the, what they see off the packet, which doesn't contain all those micronutrients. So if you want a really good analysis, you need to go in and say, well, here's the USDA um, new, ingredient that went into that that's got, here's all our vitamins, minerals, aminos and fatty acids that can then give you a better analysis result so yeah it, it is important that that's an important part of the logging and uh mm. if, if you if you stick to the the basic ingredients you'll have a much better output yeah, yeah I'm, I'm you know in my defense i'm going to go back and do it properly so I can see if my numbers get <laughs> numbers are better no, just, just, just thinking about it uh, mm. if, if you didn't have i think you had a uh, uh, pumpkin soup that, yeah. that was a generic that didn't have all the micronutrients in it, it, it may actually be a whole lot better than it yeah. really was. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, a lot of people do the bulletproof coffee at the same time. Mm. And it gives you a good chunk of calories without a whole lot of nutrients. So mm. it's good to find that balance point. Um, it may have satiety effects and optimising your, your mental state, but you need to balance it with, hey, I'm getting the, the nutrients I need to. Yeah, I think my personal takeaway is definitely that because I've been having my bulletproof um, sort of as a breakfast and not eating until lunch for um, mm. a couple of weeks now and I probably will um, do a bit of a comparison of what that looks like compared to a day where I'll have like a smoothie with, you know, greens and so yeah. on and, um, yeah, just from a, a comparison point of view across the week rather than looking at days in isolation because I still want to do some intermittent fasting um, but how to balance that out across like a week or a fortnight I think is for me a really great takeaway of using mm. um, a, a device like Nutrient Optimizer. Yeah, and, and I'd love mm. to. Um, uh, there's a number of people who have done it three or four times now. It's mm. amazing to see that the takeaways that have gone, well, I need to eat more of these foods. They're eating more spinach or, or oysters or liver or whatever they, they, they feel might 
they, they prefer off that list of 100 different foods. Mm. And they've come back a few weeks later and they're feeling better, they're sleeping better, they're looking better, and, and their health is improving, their insulin requirements are dropping, they're getting off insulin, they're dropping weight. And it's, it's really cool just to see as people improve their diet quality, the way their quality of life turns around. And that, that I suppose that's what motivates me. It doesn't make me any money, but it takes a lot of time, but, uh, but I love doing it. So, yeah. Oh, good on you. That's awesome. So I, what I might do then is just yeah. um, give the our listeners a, just a general overview of what meals I ate on that day, just for context, um, and then I'll get you to talk about the insulin load and those sort of calculations, yeah. if that's cool. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yep, cool. So I'll just give you a general overview, guys. So definitely like breakfast was more of the bulletproof, so coffee with um, butter and MCT oil. Then I was having like a pumpkin soup that um, I made with, you know, coconut cream and bone broth and um, pumpkin with some um, like paleo bread that was more of a high-protein um, so it had lots of eggs in the actual bread. Um, then I think, you know, one night I had um, grass-fed sausages with some greens and butter and salt, so quite simple food. Um, one of the days I logged, though, I had I, I ate out. So it was, it was things <laughs> like um, I had saganaki, calamari, some chicken and a radicchio kind of salad. So pretty clean, but my portions were quite small as well. So... Um, that gives you a bit of a general idea of what the sort of food was. Um, yep. Obviously, very low carb. Um, so yeah, go through that the the insulin load and and what you um, crunched in terms of numbers. Yeah, uh, I suppose the first observation is that, like you said, the the portion sizes of those meals were fairly low, and that the total calories was quite low in comparison to the calories you're getting from your butter and mm. mct oil and and um, coconut milk which provide a lot of energy without necessarily those vitamins and minerals mm. so that that's a balance point i mean the number one person on the leaderboard that i've got is Rhonda patrick mm. who is just amazing but goes to a lot of effort to make sure she's getting all those micronutrients and it's no wonder she she did so well but um mm. yeah number of parameters track in the report that you've got there um, looking at macronutrients so you ended up with about 63% fat 17% protein 5% fiber 14% net carbs which is a typical um, low carb not quite keto approach so that, that's probably perfect for where you're at um, protein uh, was 1.3 grams per kilogram lean body mass I thought that might be like if you're doing a lot of athletic exercise that might be on the low side, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not really at the moment in my defense. Yeah, <laughs> but, which, which, which uh, yeah, you're not doing a lot of activity. Mm. So, uh, and I think a lot of people get really excited about protein at the moment. Are you getting too much? Are you getting too mm. little? It's going to kick you out of keto. But from my analysis, I mean, the, the one observation is that it's really hard to separate protein from micronutrients. Yeah. So if, if you go really low protein, all the other micronutrients tend to suffer, but if you go really high protein, you, you do okay. But if you just focus on vitamins, minerals, and essential fatty acids, your protein's just fine. Mm. So you, it, it's not something I think you need to stress about because your body, your appetite really makes sure you get enough. If, if, you, if your body starts to feel you're losing muscle and it goes into, you know, it upregulates the appetite. And you might have heard about the protein leverage hypothesis where the body just says, I'm going to eat until I get enough protein. But I think in the same way, it's sort of, I'm going to eat until I get enough of all the 
amino acids, vitamins, and minerals that you need. So, yeah, it, that's where nutrient density is important to manage your cravings. Um, the second parameter there is insulin load, which is something I think is really relevant that, that I've created for people who are aiming for a therapeutic keto-type diet or a, uh, a type 1 diabetic or type 2 diabetic in injecting insulin. So the idea there is that you continue to wind down the insulin load of your diet until you get the blood sugar or the ketones, ketone levels you really need. Um, and insulin load is basically related to your carbohydrate minus your fiber plus about half your protein requires insulin to respond to. And then there's another parameter there, percentage insulogenic calories. So yours is sitting at about 25%, which is sort of on that low-carb keto end. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and that parameter is particularly more useful for someone who's aiming for that therapeutic keto for, for cancer management or something like that. Um, then we've got simple calories, net carbs. I've also tracked sugar. And then that last graph there is um, the best and worst days. So you can see which, which days that I have more nutrients, which days did I have less nutrients, what yeah. did I eat on those days, and maybe I can more replicate the good day and, and refine the bad day. So it's sort of a, a, a refined tool for self-reflection on your diet and, yeah. and continual training to the point that hopefully you won't, you won't need a crutch anymore and you'll be able to listen to your appetite because you know which foods are healthy and nutritious and you won't need it. You'll be able to roam free in the wild and, and not be attracted to the, the junk food. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think that's a really important point, especially for some of our listeners that maybe aren't quite following um, the perfect re real food template and experiencing those cravings where, you know, mm -hmm. the, the understanding here is obviously if you optimise the macronutrients but the micronutrients that, your you know, your body will level out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, can I ask if you know off the top of your head how many calories a day Rhonda Patrick was eating? Or is eating? Uh, it's probably ooh, probably more like two thousand or so. So yeah. probably a bit more than you, who, yeah. as you said, you were, you're doing a, a lower uh, a lower amount of calories. But I yeah. think at the same same time, that score is corrected back for uh, nutrients per per two thousand calories. So okay. it's sort of it's not normalised back to a set number of calories. So yeah, to try and equalise it out. But uh, yeah, like if you look at what she's eating, she's doing green smoothies and but she's getting interestingly in the protein she's getting like 2.3 grams mm. per kilo lean body mass so she's getting a, a good chunk of protein at the same time yeah interesting revelation for me yeah yeah it is it's fascinating to see how it translates in, into numbers for sure <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just a nerdy engineer who wants yeah. to Treat nutrition as another engineering problem. Yeah, yourself. yeah, no, I love it. I love it <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, fun. it's a skill not all of us have, that's for sure. Um, what, what have I got? Uh, where's the calories? Um, I've looked at what she eats in a day and there is a lot of food in there, obviously. Yeah. That is, um, you know, I, I think, again, part of what I was saying earlier in terms of that, that fine line between when you are eating a little bit less, yeah, how mm -hmm. to maximise what goes on the plate. Yeah, um, I think she's got a, probably at 2,100 calories looking okay. at just quickly there. But at the same mm -hmm. time, does, um, does a really good micronutrient level help you help your mitochondria power up so your basal metabolic rate is actually going faster and you're mm -hmm. burning more calories? And I think that's important that mm -hmm. just, just minimising calories only will 
your body may go is maybe more likely to go into starvation mode than if you're maximizing the nutrients the, the micronutrients and your body might be happy to burn through your body fat and maintain a lower calorie intake so yeah i think it's early days and interesting but there's a community of people moving forward playing with this and doing it and hopefully we'll get some good data back to, to, yeah. to, to sh show how it changes lives yeah you've got over 2,000 members in your facebook yeah. group so there's yeah. obviously a lot of data that you can start to collect there now yeah mm. it's really exciting yeah beautiful yeah so i'm going to um give myself a little project to to go away and <laughs> And work out what that optimal plate looks like, and it'll be a really interesting comparison. So, yeah, um, I'll be sure to put my um, my report in the show notes so that everyone can check out a little bit more and, and see an example. So then, just direct us to where our listeners can go to to do their own um, nutrient optimizer. Yeah, so the process is, uh, if you check out nutrientoptimizer.com, it'll give you an overview and, and how it works. Um, the idea is that you might log for a week or two in chronometer because I think you can do a good day or two or three, but if you, you know, go for a couple of weeks, you're going to pick up all the things you really eat when you crave it and you know, when you're hungry and get a better picture of your overall diet. Um, and then you can just email the there's a servings.csv file that comes out of it or you can send that to me or uh, I can log into yours like I did and uh, with you and download that dump into the spreadsheet and, and make a report there's a application form on the site which basically fleshes out your current body weight and, and body fat and which is useful for the protein requirements and your goals so I know what you need and I can tailor those food lists which basically are shopping lists for inspiration next time you go shopping um, yeah so if you go there um, currently I've got it for a nominal fee of $30 uh, that you can pay through PayPal hopefully in time we're going to turn it into a more automated database that may be a more subscription-based service for maybe ten dollars a month that people can then just continue to refine their diet but it's um takes a couple of hours to do one of those reports so thirty dollars is pretty cheap yeah yeah absolutely and yeah so very worthwhile yeah yeah thank, thank you very much i'm glad you find it interesting yeah absolutely so head to nutrientoptimizer.com um, to check out more. And Marty, it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks for um, sharing your knowledge and certainly creating this resource for all of us to be able to learn how to optimize our nutrition. Awesome. Thanks, Steph. It's been fun. Cheers. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.